In the movie Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye, the father of the house, struggles between the traditions that hold his people together and the, and the changing world around him. I really identify with Tevye. For me, there is nothing more important than tradition, tradition. That's what it sounded like earlier this month as Canadian storyteller Alexandre Matt delivered the speech of his life at the Toastmasters Public Speaking World Championship broadcast from Nashville, Tennessee. Matt lives in Sudbury, and he's part of the area's small Jewish community. But he was raised in Ottawa in a blended family. His mother's Jewish, his dad is a French-Canadian, hence his accent. The judges thought Matt's seven-minute speech about both of his traditions was so good, he won second place and beat out 30,000 other competitors. The Toastmasters organization's been around for nearly a century. They've got clubs all over the globe, and they teach people to speak confidently in public. Alexander Matt's topic was about his late Francophone grandmother's famous no-bake cake and how he's now trying to keep that family tradition alive by making it himself. My grandmother, Grandmama, humble, resilient, and the best cook in the world. Mm. She made our family's special dessert, le gâteau pas cuit. Mwah! Le gâteau pas cuit. Uh, would you like some subtitles? It's the no-bake cake. The no-bake cake is a simple recipe made from crushed cookies, coffee, and chocolate. I'm Ellen Bessner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, August the 31st, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Fifteen years ago, Alexandre Matt was working in finance at a Francophone cultural centre. And he admits he was pretty shy. But after he joined the Toastmasters Club in Sudbury and started learning how to speak more easily in public, he quit that job. He now earns a living as a professional storyteller. He mainly coaches school kids, but he also does give classes to adults at his parents' synagogue in Ottawa. Matt's been trying to win the World Toastmasters contest for a decade, and he admits he has come a long way since his early attempts. Only four Canadians have ever won it. Matt is thrilled, though, with his second-place finish, which he delivered live by Zoom from his family reunion in Quebec. He joins us now to tell us more about his Jewish and his Francophone roots and how he got the idea for the winning speech. Is this like the biggest one, like the world champion, Olympics, everything? Or, or you know, where does this fit in terms of the contest? Well, it is called the World Championship of Public Speaking. So it is, it is international. And as you say, it starts very locally. Each club, there are about 15,000 clubs in the world. Each have their own contest, and then it goes to different levels, about six or seven different levels, before we get to the semifinals. Um, at the beginning of the contest, each year, there are between 20,000 and 30,000 people who compete. And the, at the semifinals, which, which were on August 18, there were 28 left. And I was one of those. You've been doing this for a long time. What does it mean to you to actually have achieved this second place finish? Well, it's interesting, right? Because I've been a member of Toastmasters for 15 years, participating in the International Speech Contest for 13 years. And the first time I, I participated, I did go to the World Semifinals. Um, and I, I gave a speech that was 
not up to par. So I didn't make it to the finals, but I, I learned a lot of how to create a speech or craft a speech. So I was able to learn what it takes. And, and I learned also about a lot about, about, about myself. When I was working on my semifinal speech this year, it's, it's a set, different one on the semifinal and the final. I've got a, a message about the importance of dialogue, especially with people with whom you disagree. And I was working with my speaking coach, Mark Hunter, who was the uh, 2009 world champion of public speaking. And Mark gave me examples. Okay, what if, what if someone disagrees with you on this subject? What about this subject? And yeah, 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 I would have no problem to discuss with this, to discuss them about this. And then he said, what if someone is a Holocaust denier? Would you be open to discuss with them? And my first reflex is, no, 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 that's, no, that's impossible. You can't discuss with someone, no, that's too far apart. So finally, I, I agreed with myself that if, if someone was, a, was that far removed from my own opinion or from fact, um, if the person is at least open to discussion, that it can go both ways, then yes, I would be open to a discussion and maybe to open the other person's mind to different ideas. We've, we've seen so many instances in the past year, in the past months, um, of shutting down to other people, which means that we're just fighting, we're just fighting, and it's, it's not helping at all. We're just more and more divided. You know, we, we see, of course, what's happening in the United States and also anti-Semitism around the world. The freedom convoys, people don't agree. The world is in a mess, Putin and, and Ukraine. So your message had resonance. Right. Yeah. Today. Yeah. And I got so many messages after that semifinal speech of people saying, ah, you know what, I think I'm going to talk with such uh, so and so in my family because we've not been listening to her or maybe I can be more open to these people. So it, it's not just how do you say things more effectively, but what do you really want to say? What is your real message? And that's really been what I did differently this year from all other years. And so it was much more challenging this year, but much more rewarding as well. So you wrote actually two, <laughs> both parallel at the same time, the one about dialogue and the one about tradition and Jewish tradition. And we are the Canadian Jewish News. Let's talk a bit about that inspiration for you. How did your framework of your background um, get translated and channeled into your winning, into your winning speech? Mm -hmm. So the, the final speech, I, it, it was based on a cake that we make for our family uh, at, at a yearly gathering. And I, I didn't make it far that year in the, in the contest, but I, it was such a fun story to tell uh, about trying to create the cake that my grandmother made and, and my, my aunt, and then I'm trying to do this and it's not working well. And my, my, my uncle Pierre is always criticizing the cake while still eating a lot of it. Uh, so when this year I was, I knew that I wasn't going to be in person in Nashville because I was going to be with the family, I thought, well, this might be the uh, good opportunity to use that story. So I can start by saying why I'm not in Nashville. I'm here because of a tradition. And this, uh, the story of the, we call it le gâteau pas cuit, the no-bake cake. It's on my French Canadian side of the family. Uh, but I'm also influenced by my 
Jewish side of the family. So there's my father and my mother. So while I'm talking about uh, the French-Canadian tradition of gathering and food, um, well, which is also, you know, not to say that in, <laughs> in the Jewish people doesn't have gathering and food, uh, on the contrary. But this is the story about, you know, my father's side of the family. I'm also influenced by my Jewish side where, because I, I used, uh, I referenced Fiddler on the Roof. And I even sang uh, a word <laughs> during, during the speech. So yeah, tell me a bit about the, 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 the two sides of your family. <laughs> well, I think it's an interesting mix, being Jewish and French-Canadian. Growing up, I, you know, me and my sister, we probably felt alone because on one side, we, you know, we went to school, uh, Francophone school, and we were the only Jews in the school. And on the other side, when we went to synagogue, we were the only Francophones in the synagogue. Uh, that has changed since one generation. I know I, I grew up in Ottawa, um, and now there has been more mixed relationships like my father and my mother. So there is would you call it a community or at least there are french canadian jews in in a few uh, in a few places now i'm in sudbury and there is at least one other family that could consider themselves uh, you know francophone and jewish at the same time uh, so but it was it was um ah, was it difficult it was strange being part of two different and distinct communities especially when you know i started to learn about the history and I had always found it curious when I was younger uh, to know that even in Quebec and that there was anti-Semitism and rejection from the, well, from the French Canadians toward the, the Jews. I thought, oh, well, this makes things more complicated for me because I'm, <laughs> you know, that, that's what I am. So what, what am I? Am I a contradiction? There was even one one lady at the synagogue once who, when she, I think, I guess she was hearing me speaking in French with my mother at the synagogue. And she came over and she said, what, why are you speaking French? You know, you, you, you have to decide. Are, are you French or are you Jewish? I thought, I, I didn't know I had to decide. And it was so upsetting that I wasn't able to answer because I, I took it at face value. I really have to decide. So not only do I have to decide between one one community and the other, but also it's deciding between my mother and my father. I, I can't do that. Um, you know, if I could go back, I would just tell her, it's okay to be both. <laughs> I would have oh. a much more stronger language, like mind your own business, you old Yenta. Leave me <laughs> At the time, how old were you? Oh, anywhere between 15 and 17, I think. Yeah, so you were a teenager. So what do you get now that you win the contest? What do you get? You get a prize, you get a certificate besides the glory. <laughs> yeah, besides the glory, we get a trophy. So it will be, they'll send it to me by mail. I get one for, the, for winning the semifinal and one for winning the second place in the world. So there's that trophy. So, uh, you know, there's no prize money or, or a new car that they offer us. But uh, yeah, it is. Is it glory? Yeah, it's uh, newfound fame or recognition. I think that, that that's what I get out of it. It's recognition of the hard work that I put in to, uh, to get to that place. Mm -hmm. So your kids probably roll their eyes, right? Uh, <laughs> and say, all right, Dad, we've heard it already, right? You're the winner well, of the world, second most be best speech maker in the world. But at home, how did the, what's the reception? 
Yeah, my, my kids are okay. Um, my, my spouse might have heard it too many times, especially for the, uh, the opening of one of my speeches. I, you want a surprise? Here, here, here's how I start. You're wrong. You're just wrong. So just repeating that over and over to say, okay, what, how exactly should I say it? How, how loud should it be? Should I whisper it? Should I yell it? But uh, my, my kids were always uh, encouraging. And, you know, even though they heard it a lot, I, I mean, my, my kids don't speak English very well, so they, they wouldn't be able to know exactly what I'm saying, but they still recognize wh what I'm saying. And when I came home after winning the second place, um, one of my kids said, because oh, they, they saw it on live, right online, one of the kids said, oh, Papa, I know that the judges think that you're the second best, but I think you're the world's best. So that was, so that was a, almost a better trophy than winning the world championship. By the way, you can tell that Alexandre Mott is a very skilled public speaker. I've interviewed a ton of people over the years, and usually you've got to edit out all their ums and their errs afterwards so they sound better. He literally didn't need any of our help. He never says, you know, or I mean, and he uses big hand gestures and effective pauses. He was by far and away the person we needed to edit the least. Makes life a lot easier for our producer, too. You can watch the winning speech on the Toastmasters YouTube channel. We put the link in our show notes. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Morley Torgov of Toronto. The famous Canadian author and lawyer is 94 now. His cousin Gordy Wiseman asked us to send him some greetings. We did a show about Gordy in July when he won the Israeli Prime Minister's Prize for writing a play about Menachem Begin. And we'll end with another little excerpt from Alexander Matz' winning speech. Thanks for listening. Will my family crumble? No. Because I know my cousins will be there to hold the torch, each one of them adding a special ingredient to our family's traditions. One of them is hosting us, one of them is bringing a karaoke machine, and I have the no-bake cake. Do you like it already? Mm -hmm.